Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, I got my core team of Matthew Aguilar. Yo, yo, yo. Janelle Wheeler. Hey, I'm excited. Today's going to be so fun. And we brought him back for 2021. The big bad man himself, Charlie Ridgely, is back with us. Hello. It's good to be here. It's good to be back. I miss Welcome you Welcome to season three, Charlie. I never thought you'd last this long, but we're happy to have you back, buddy. Wow. <laughs> I, I, like season one finale, get kill off cliffhanger. Like, that's where I envisioned myself being, you know? Yeah. Like, no but way. I'm, you know, You're I'm still underdog. around. I'm You're still like around. The one that surprises no. everybody. Underdog. Charlie's like a fan favorite on this show. People. No, I mean, like in the zombie apocalypse. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. I mean, he's the ultimate, <laughs> like, he's the walking grenade man. I'm the Eugene of this podcast. That's yeah. where I'll. <laughs> that's where I'll give that's the title I'll give myself. I love that. That's oh all to gosh. say we are happy to have Charlie back because uh I needed you today, man. Like Charlie's gonna help me break down some of uh what's going on with Star Wars, the High Republic. Yes. There's a new book out. We're kind of hitting the most exciting stride of this new kind of Star Wars campaign. So Charlie's gonna help me talk about that. But before we get to that, we are also gonna be breaking down the latest WandaVision episode because I mean there is so much to break down, so we gotta get into all that. Plus, we got to talk about what's going on with Justice League, the Snyder Cut. We've got a new batch of reveals that have come out. And we have a special guest joining us today to talk about what we're going to be getting in the Snyder Cut. The Martian Manhunter himself, Mr. Harry Lennox, is going to be with us. Thanks to our comic book interview aficionado, Mr. Adam Barnhart, went out and scored this one for us. So we're going to share some uh, new insights into Justice League, the Snyder Cut's upcoming Martian Manhunter reveal. So be sure to stick around for that. But like I said, up first, we got to talk WandaVision, guys. Uh, let's get into everything that just happened with that show. Obviously, if you have not seen the episode, this is going to be a spoilers discussion of WandaVision episode four. So be sure to just see the episode first. All right. That said, we got our spoiler warning scrolling for anybody watching. Ooh, look at that fancy. Oh, yeah, we fancy in season two. <laughs> uh, anybody listening, one last WandaVision spoiler warning. Matt, what the WTF sword. You are <laughs> our Marvel sword resident expert. You are also our Captain Marvel expert. We need both of those things to help process what just happened in this WandaVision episode. Give us your take. Uh, well, just overall, I mean, it was, it was one of the strongest episodes of the season, obviously. Um, so many interesting things with sword. Now, of course it's different from the comics, um, because sword of course is kind of, I mean, there's a little bit of the space cosmic defense force feel here. Uh, but we more see it rooted in Captain Marvel where, uh, Monica Rambo was actually like the creator, uh, essentially like one of the founders, if not the sole founder of sword here uh which is pretty cool because then we see that 
reflected later uh, with Monica and like how the organization has grown in the time. So there was a lot. Uh, if you were a Captain Marvel fan, this was like your favorite uh, episode. So I mean, just from that angle, it's really interesting. Of course, uh, there's a there's a lot of theories, which I know we'll get into. Uh, some of oh, them yeah, are we a little deeper from theories here. Yeah, some of them are a little <laughs> like are reaching, I feel like, but there's a lot of really interesting stuff here, uh, especially if you are into Sword, which I am from the books. But what did you feel? I mean, for me, I love this episode just pulling back and giving us this other perspective of what's going on, I think would help. It, it, this is the episode that helps a lot of people who have been struggling with like the sitcom references and all of that really get their hooks into that Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of sci-fi mystery, you know, attraction i'm amazed that marvel studios can has literally built such a good franchise that just seeing a bunch of minor marvel characters like jimmy woo from ant-man darcy from <laughs> thor and little monica rambo from uh from captain marvel all kind of working together is like a thrilling event you know like you know you've got it like when like i said you you i mean this is i don't even know like we're talking like G in like HI level bench players like now coming up <laughs> and like getting their own episodes and killing awesome. it and killing it. So yeah. And yeah, there are a lot of theories we got to get to. So um, yeah, let's just get done with some quick impressions. Janelle and Charlie. Oh gosh. Um, I have to start by saying I screamed. I screamed out loud. Poor me. Uh, poor fiance. I, when the blip snap re- particle come together thing happened. What is that word? Help me. Someone. It's just the blip. Oh, yeah. I had to look it up too to remember the snap is everybody dying. The blip is everybody coming back. Perfect. Oh my gosh. I, it's like I do this or something for, for a job. Okay. So the blip, when she came back together in the hospital, it felt so walking dead. If you guys don't know, I started with comic book because of my walking dead fandom. And uh, it just had those vibes of like chaotic, crazy, spooky hospital um, this is something that I've been asking myself for a long time. I, I wanted to see what happens after the blip. I've been wanting to see more of that. I just kind of gave up that we weren't going to get more of that. We had like the band scene, you know, and a few like little small tastes of like what happened. But this was so amazing because we got to see the emotional impact of someone when they come back and they're realizing that life has gone without them. And we got to see the actual beautiful job that they did with special effects of her like physically coming back together. And that was absolutely my favorite part of the entire yeah. episode. And they I, I screamed. They said it's, this would have Marvel movie level effects and they were not lying. They weren't. It was so, so well done. Um, I think that, you know, I know there wasn't a lot of story progression as far as like timeline speaking, but I think it's really important to think about the fact that the timeline is totally wonky right now. This could be completely messed up on any kind of time thing. Like everyone's saying that the drone was possibly the toy that Wanda found, but it looks more like a helicopter. And we did see a helicopter in a trailer. So it, time could be messed with like crazy uh, during this as well. And there's just, it's just, it's beautifully done. They put everything together. They tie it up with a bow. You know, I love it when they do that. More content, happy girl. <laughs> There's a million things I could talk about, you're but I don't want to. You're like degenerating into hashtags now. I'm I love it. so excited about the show. It is, it's, it's kind of turning into one of my favorite shows ever, honestly. Charlie, we haven't checked in with you at all about WandaVision. How are you doing? It's great. He doesn't like uh, it. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I, I, I love the show. I just think like, after all of that, I was just trying to give it a little like tiny thing. No, I, I, I really, 
I really dig what's happening. And and like Janelle, I was I was really really drawn to the whole blip of it all. Like that's something that you know, like you said in Spider Man Far From Home, there was like a little piece of, but to really see it play out, like I, I was worried a little bit that the show might kind of glance over or the MCU as a whole might just glance over that aspect and move on. And I really liked spending some time there because it was such a traumatic thing for people. Um, And this really kind of dove into that in a way that I really appreciated. Um, You know, you mentioned like Jimmy Woo and Darcy, like they're tiny characters in the grand scheme of things, but like they were so beloved when they first came on and I was so glad for them to come back and actually like get meaty stuff to do. And, you know, I mean, Darcy's always been great and, Jimmy doing the card trick and like him consciously like being the only person to always like tell Darcy how great she's doing because Darcy's amazing and no one ever recognizes it. Like that was a bit, that was a thing in the episode in talking about like, especially like all of the superior like male officers in the, in the organization, like not recognizing her, but just in the grand MCU of it all too. Like it was kind of a meta reference of like, you're awesome. And like, they never gave you time to do this as a character, but we all know you're awesome. It, it, it's a really, really cool partnership that I've really enjoyed. Um, and yeah, I mean, there are obviously a lot of spoiler things and, and theory things to dive into, but on the surface, I really loved where this is going and where this set up. And, and I, it's hard to see this show not getting really dark. Like, I think this is going to get really dark oh, yeah, as it goes real toward the end. You know, yes. it started with like this really fun, like there was a sad undertone to the first couple episodes, but it's going to get like raw. By, by the time we get to the end, like it's it's going to be hard to watch. I think at times in in a good way. I'm I'm really I'm really excited for where it's going. All right, let's run through some theories. Some of these theories, because there's so many theories, right? First of all, uh, one of my things is the hexagon theory. Let's talk about that. So, has anybody re- read up on their hexagon theory? I need yes. you to tell me more about it's this. It's a shape with six sides. Basically, <laughs> the shape with six sides. That keeps appearing, <laughs> no, and, it is a theory. And, um, oh, it's all over WandaVision. Her <laughs> bubble is a circle with a hexagon inside. It's all over Sword. Like uh, the director's office has several hexagon patterns. It's all over the show. It's at the it's the closing framework of the first episode. Um, and six is a course and bees and bees and bees have honeycomb yeah. Yeah. hexagonal shapes. So it's a constant motif throughout the show. Hexagons have six sides. Uh, six is a big number for various reasons. Of course, it's could be the devil's number, the devil's which is number. Uh, Mephisto. Again, we come back to these Mephisto theories. Um, I've been interested that it's also the number of infinity stones that are out there. Uh, mm. it also has to do with that. And we know from Marvel comics that the infinity stones and those objects can be reconstituted into different things. Um, we know Thanos, they could never be truly destroyed. So he just kind of atomized them and sent them out there. But uh, there are ways to recollect that, that energy and, and do something else with it. And uh, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of ways this could do. Um, and a lot of this has a lot of kind of parallels to me. It makes me think of agents of shields, Ghost Rider season. Where the, which was like this weird mix of technology and the occult because it was also the framework season. And- like it, it could be a bunch of different things like Obi was talking about. I don't know as much about the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> no way. theory. Alive. Welcome. But <laughs> he, he mentioned something really interesting about the occult and technology kind of fusing. And I think, you know, we've talked about Mephisto, the Mephisto of it all. Like, Matt, I know you can talk more about this than I can because um, I'm not as, quite as familiar with the characters in the comics. But the idea of having Mephisto in the MCU and like cloaking that character through these sitcoms and through this world 
that Wanda has potentially put together is really, really interesting because, you know, as we know from House of M, probably it is, you know, there's probably someone else pulling the strings to this. Right. Wanda, Wanda has physically made Westview what it is, but it seems really hard to believe that only Wanda would be behind everything by herself. Right. Yeah. Especially like Agnes lets on so much that mm-hmm. she knows and she's protecting yeah. that from, you know, vision well, and her, realizing. Yeah. Yeah. And her history in witchcraft, right. Is, is a very mm-hmm. big hardness mm-hmm. is like, it, it's so they're so tied and their histories are so tied to some very screwed up stuff. Right. I actually like the idea of um, Mephisto being the Thanos of the next oh, few yeah. phases idea oh, awesome. actually more than I do Kang because I'm not a I'm not a big Kang <laughs> I'm not a big Kang fan uh, and I mean I'm not even the biggest Mephisto fan but I think it's more interesting because especially with Doctor Strange coming up and like the multiverse being added and his whole shifting in the background constantly playing you know all these little dominoes being set off for way down fits Mephisto and fits that and then you can and really then you think up. about like you've got Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange but then like Ghost Rider and Bloodstone I know you and love Blade Bloodstone. and Blade, like Blade, like Blade just Blade bring Blade. all of that in. Let's get dark. Let's go to hell. Like I, I knew Charlie that. was going to bring up really. I drop, out for, I drop out for one minute and we're on Bloodstone. That's what happened. <laughs> I didn't bring stuff. it up. I did not. Bring oh it up. my god! I'm saying that whole roster of characters. I, I think Mephisto opens that up for because we already know Blade's happening. You know, like that's already one. So I just. There's Charlie a lot that could happen. All right. Let's bring else with Kofi, I didn't know where you were going. I had to pick up with the occult. Like that's what I that's what I latched onto <laughs> I and I just know. ran with it. <laughs> they shut down my theories. Um all right. So before I possibly drop out of here again, let's talk about that Please thing. Who who is still having nightmares of dead vision? Me. Oh, I am. I am still having it's nightmares perfect. of dead vision. That was the kind of clue that I feel like this series could get really dark, right? Like that mm-hmm. was because that went from happy sitcom to horror, mo- like horror movie moment, and like a James Wan second, and that was uh, that was pretty freaky stuff. And and back, yeah, yeah, and it's just yeah. a teaser. Well, and, and that's that's I think part of what I'm so interested in going forward is how Vision plays into this because he's obviously dead, right? But he is also his consciousness is aware of what she is doing. Yeah, that's where I'm a little confused. Like everyone's There's, like, "Oh, they're toting he's she's toting his dead body around." But I was like, "Well, maybe I don't know. I'm trying to find like some other way for this to be cuz how would he how would he understand what's going on? Did she maybe like hack something and maybe he is hanging by a thread his consciousness in some way? Like I don't I don't know. Got no idea. But I think he, he, get, he gets what's happening. Questions in the comments yeah. by the I, way. I love, yeah, we have a lot of really good I love Nightmare. Like these are great characters. And this opens the door. Like having Mephisto be such a central part would actually open the door for all these people. So Oh yeah. All right. What about Magneto theories? You guys oh, think yeah. we're gonna see Magneto in this? Is that where Matt Matt hits the wall <laughs> on the Magneto well, theories? Okay, wait. All right, can we before we talk about this, are we going to acknowledge the things that are out there that kind of confirm not confirm stuff like there, there are, are there are rumors out there let's there say there's rumors, rumors. There things out there let's that... say there's rumors yes go, go for it go in so i'm saying go like off. do we because like i look at that and go no <laughs> no of course not no, i'm not gonna also i just don't i'm not i've i've been like i like some of the x-men movies but i am not keen on bringing every single x-men actor from that franchise over i'd rather um, just get a 
start. So yeah, me neither. But yeah. if there's one that I want to bring over, it's that one. Uh, <laughs> Wait, or Mac. Honestly, I was about to say honestly, it could be either one. I like both of them a lot. Yeah. So you know, anyway, who are you talking about? Out. Tell people who you're talking. Well, about. so okay, there are rumors out there. We don't know if they're real that this show will bring in Quicksilver, and that right. there have Evan also Peters. been people talking about it being Evan Peters. And there have maybe been some videos online that may or may not be real that Evan Peters is there as Quicksilver. And so I don't I I have no idea if those are legitimate or not. And none of us really do. Right. But they look convincing. They look convincing. And I mean I've always thought he'll show up in a commercial as like a weird kind of faux reality version of Quicksilver. That that like she puts up and it'll be kind of like a thing to mess with. Fans. Yeah, that could definitely. Oh, and and Quicksilver being there makes sense because of like she's really dealing with loss. But mm-hmm. like that's where I really got into the whole House of M thing. Like House of M, Quicksilver is really the the mind behind everything. He's the one that convinced her to create that alternate reality because they were going to kill her and he was trying to save her. I don't know how Quicksilver could play into that in that in that way in Wandavision. That wouldn't make any sense because. If it is Evan Peters in some fashion, it's like, well, he came from some other world. Like, how does that? I, there, there's a lot of ways it can go. Magneto being there makes more sense. Whether it's Fastbender or a new actor or whatever, if Magneto was somehow attached to this, it would make more sense. But I really like what we talked about before. I think Mephisto being the one pulling these strings is a better move for the franchise as a whole, with mutants or not. Well, I've also had the theory, and Jim has kind of shared this theory. Um, that uh, basically there could be an episode that's like a, a parents, like a meeting of parents episode for the twin babies, and you would be able to pull in kind of fun people like Evan Peters as like a fictional brother, or mm-hmm. as like her kind of recreation of her brother without having to remember the real Quicksilver Fastbender, or um, even what's his name, James Spader as, as like Ultron is coming back as Vision's dad and things like that. I wholeheartedly support that. Yeah, I support yeah. something like that because that's. <laughs> I support cool. James Spader arriving in any way. Yeah, so, James Spader's uh, Ultron. Yeah. Is, yeah. So we do have a couple people asking questions in the chat. Um, and Benny says, "Will they explain how Wanda and Vision made the kids?" That's going back to when that. two That's people no love each other. <laughs> well, but in, in the comics, like Kobe, you're talking about in the comics, she made a deal with Mephisto to have her children. Right. Yeah. And she made him them out of pieces of his soul, which later get reclaimed, but then Raider get released and then become two young Avengers. So Got it. are right. we going down that path in the MCU? <laughs> I, I mean, it. we're in multiverse. Why not? Super love it. <laughs> Oh gosh! I Did love you guys it. Uh, have any? Was there any other question? Let's take one yeah, more question. Yeah, um, we'll move on. Well, we have a couple questions about the possibility of the Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah, I've seen that oh, popping around. Yeah, I've too. seen that popping up. Uh, I'm not so keen on that quite yet. I think that's when we're starting to get down like the the fan theory rabbit hole. But I can't shut anything down, and I never stop fan theory because I think it's the most exciting part of this whole process. Oh, so, yeah, that's a good one, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Alex said and it, I can't JD talk. saying it. Yeah, in the chat, a lot of people are, are flirting with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I, yeah, we've also had, uh, there's a guy, there's somebody, Jack Samuel, is mentioning uh, there's also been Wonder Man kind of references and setups, which I would be really excited about. I would be love to see Wonder Man kind of. Yeah, like, and, and that makes so much more sense. Yeah, social you know? media world, that'd be great. Also, to be fair, that one was like, 
that one's blatant. I mean, there's literally pictures of him behind them in the featurettes. Like, <laughs> like yeah. that one is like. Well, I, and, I mean, Vision. The original Vision was created using the like the mind and, and soul of Wonder Man. That's the person. That, yeah, it has the personality right. and, and thoughts right. of, of Wonder Man. Um, and, and then there was there was actually a, an interesting comment earlier on um, from I believe Anne who who asked one of the other questions that we talked about about the the brooch and necklace that Agnes wears in various episodes resembling the Grim Reaper. Which could on on one kind of hand you could go down the Mephisto rabbit hole, but on the other, wasn't Wonder Man's sibling Reaper? Yeah, that was killed, Reaper. right? And you know, it, in the in the Vision comic, uh, Tom King's Vision, you know, where they they killed Reaper, and mm-hmm. there was that whole there could be some kind of Wonder Man Reaper connection there with that. Like, there's a lot of different ways. Agnes really feels like the linchpin in all of this. Yeah, I mean the whole Agnes Agatha Harkinson thing. Man, it's gonna be a wild rest of this season. I mean, we, if you guys don't know, we are officially at midseason in Wandavision. So, can I can I say something before? Because I know we're gonna wrap, so yeah. we're gonna move into something else. But okay, because I know we've been like extremely positive, which we should. It was a good episode. However, can I? I felt so underwhelmed. I know everyone's sharing that thing where Monica's like, "It was Wanda," and literally that happened. And I went, All "No freaking duh." Like yes, like that was Wanda. Like that was the lamest mystery song. Yeah, but it was it was mystery. If we we did, but the world did not. Everybody did coming into this show. Right, we did the single new thing since we started. It's all these we knew, and it's great. Most people. No, I'm saying the people. No, 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 no. I'm not talking. I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about people in in the universe of the show. Yeah, because their whole approach has been other things. Remember Jimmy Woo's board. The only possible thing was. Uh, scrolls were behind it, and it's like that revelation is so big for them because they it, it, they reevaluate how they attack the entire thing. I will say it made me second guess. It made me go, oh, well, maybe all these theories about someone else, maybe it is all just Wanda. And it's the idea for them that, like, hey, an Avenger is the bad guy now. Like, it's just, that's a oh, huge thing for people in that world. Four episodes together. Anyway, that that part annoys yeah. me because I'm like, give me a break. Of course. It's yeah. not new information. So I'm just hoping that as we move forward, we actually get not, I understand everyone loves the Easter eggs and I do too. And the ties and everything. And oh, this character talked to this person on January 4th. Like all that stuff's fine. But we, Zack Snyder does that stuff too. And we rail on him because like the story and whatever doesn't match up, right? To all those homages. I just, I'm going to hold them to the same standard. I hold Yeah, it does, I agree with you. It does seem a little like too much information when she's it's one thing if she just says it's Wanda, but she said it's all Wanda. And see, that's kind of you're right. That makes that it does. It confused. I was like, well, maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe settle. Down. But that, ma- that makes me think it's that it's not all Wanda. Yeah, like, it could okay. be misdirection. Everybody settle down. <laughs> now we're going to pick up with what Matt said about Zack Snyder as we move on to our next topic. From Marvel over to DC. Oh, by the way, before we get out of the Marvel stuff, War Machine's coming to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so that's getting more interesting by the minute. Look for Don Cheadle showing that out, showing, showing up. All right, moving right along to the DC corner of the universe. We got some new Justice League Snyder Cut reviews to talk about. First of all, this puppy's going to be rated R, so uh, gear up for that. Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of excited about that one, yeah. We Very know it's for now. We know it's coming on March 18th, which will be uh, streaming on HBO Max. So coming soon. Not like that's something to get yeah. excited about. And we get this, we're beginning to get more and more looks about how Zack Snyder would have done these some of these character designs and interpretations differently. Starting with Jared Leto's Joker. 
My man. I knew she was going to get so excited. Yeah, Janelle's like, Uh, you know, are you turning red right now? Kind of, yeah. Janelle's blushing. Um, If you guys don't know, Janelle is a hardcore uh, Mr. J fan from uh, Suicide Squad, Jared Leto's Joker. I love Jared Leto in general, but I also loved the gangster, swaggy Joker. So how like okay, the first well, time I found him attractive. So know? how do you feel about this new photo that Zack Snyder released that shows Joker? It's kind of an interesting photo. He's holding the Joker card, and you see the card in the foreground. His face in the black in the background is kind of blurred, but um, it kind of looks and feels like a different take. Yeah, it and, feels uh, like Heath. In our kind yeah, of. it feels like Heath Ledger kind of. And in our article, I included. He had, Snyder had already teased what he was going to be doing with this new version of Joker, saying that this Joker that we're going to see is going to be after Suicide Squad and what he called a more world-weary world, world weary version of Joker. And right. we've heard kind of uh, rumors that it'll be part of the Nightmare timeline Joker. Um, so what did you think about this as somebody who actually did like <laughs> the tattoo damage? <laughs> yes. There were um, others. There I were get others. it. I mean, life progresses uh you go through some stuff you dye your hair a different color you kind of get a little jaded maybe let the makeup run down your face a little bit i mean i think it'd be weird if they just removed all of his tattoos unless he went to like laser tattoo removal surgery or something um and if he didn't have the gold teeth i mean do you go under like constructive surgery i don't really know how much they're going to change his look. But if they mash it together in a believable way, I'm all for it. I think it's really awesome. If he's trying to make it, you know, kind of go together. Just to settle on disclaimer, Snyder did go on Twitter and when he posted the photo and, you know, he did kind of give his respect to David Ayer and say, and Jared Leto, I mean, tweeted directly at them and said, love what you did, love what we're going to do next with it and and did pay his respects to that. So all you uh, Suicide Squad Joker fans, you don't have to feel very jaded about this. Nobody, yeah, I don't. I just feel excited. Yeah, I'm pumped to see him. I, I mean, he's such a brilliant actor. I love Jared Leto as an actor. I love him as a musician. Hey, I see that face, Charlie. <laughs> I think he's a great actor. Um, you know, he's critically acclaimed, and it's always great to have those types of actors in superhero movies. Remember, for the longest time, like it was hard to get shush man i'm getting so much hate if you are listening to this you should see the face <laughs> so these boys are giving me wait what i, I, didn't make your face. I was reading that's my reading face okay <laughs> anyways i just think it's really exciting to see him have his moment because i've really wanted to see him be able to do something with this character i think he got gypped so i, agree, I have so many responses to so many things so excited. i agree that he so to the comments so to the podcast. comments you're free to have my first off, first of all, what are you really talking about? Weird. It's hard to get it's hard to get acclaimed actors and stuff. Like are are I'm you like Jared Leto and like Meryl Streep are not the same thing. No, no, no. I mean Jeff like, Bridges was in the up. first Marvel MCU okay, movie. Wait, how old are you? I'm 35. So I'm from a different generation. <laughs> I'm 30. We're the same oh, thing. No, I've been here for all the superhero today. movies too. Back in what day? Back in what day? Speak your truth, Janelle. Back in 2005? I'll scream like Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) She's got you there. She's got you there. All right. It feels good to have very diverse people in these roles. It makes us better. Like, it makes the superhero movies better. If you're pulling tons of different actors from different places i think it's nice to you be well-rounded well, I, I know i agree with Not you 100 percent. you know right but like jeff bridges was in the first mcu movie that's beautiful that's awesome right. that's, i'm saying it, it hasn't been a challenge forever like it's always happened 
That's all I'm trying to say. You know, you can say you love Jared Leto. Don't let these people bully you. <laughs> and and I, and I really, I really like the idea of Jared Leto. I think that all of it, when it came together in Suicide Squad, was not what we wanted it to be. Not just, not just Leto's performance. Just in general, Suicide Squad, the totality of it. I think because of the interference from the studio, because of various things, did not hold up to what we all anticipated. And I think the idea behind Leto's Joker is very good. If you're going to do a modern Joker and he's like this club scene totally, dude, he, there's a lot of names for him that I can't say on this podcast, but they like they apply not because of the performance is bad or anything, because of that's what the goal to make Joker was. I love like, that he too. was such a tool, yeah. And in a way that like like I in the Harley Quinn animated series, they really like harp on that aspect of the Joker at times. They really make fun of him for some of those aspects, and I think the Air version really went full on with that, which I love the concept of. And it, it's I kind of don't know if I love they're like well we're just gonna like make him more more uh, you know Heath Ledgery in Justice League yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird up. it's You're it's right. kind of a weird direction I will give you that I mean yeah. I would have been totally fine with them staying with the Jared Leto like gangster thing but I'll just take him anyway so that's fine everybody settle <laughs> down we have a blurred picture we still don't know what he officially <laughs> looks like let's not get let's not get too crazy. All I right. love this though. This is like my first time really getting into it. This is like let's of course go. Comment Nation. Well, let's let's well if, if y'all think about what you say before you say it, I won't argue with you. <laughs> oh my god! All right, this is a great segue for us to take a break and then come back and talk to Mr. Harry Lennox, who has the friendliest, awesomest disposition of just about any actor <laughs> in a DC us. movie ever. Yes. So we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk with Harry Lennox, Justice League's Martian Manhunter. Oh. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back. Thank you for coming back with us. After our heated debate about Justice League Snyder Cut Joker interpretation, we're going to go to something a little less contentious, which is how the film is going to be interpreting Martian Manhunter, one of the biggest fan favorites from the DC Comics universe. Our own Adam Barnhart got to sit down with Mr. Harry Lennox, who you know from Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, and will be appearing in Zack Snyder's Justice League as Martian Manhunter. And we spoke to him about a little bit about what we could see in the movie. So uh, let's take a look at that. It's kind of like the ultimate victory for a filmmaker, right? Getting in their full, unadulterated director's cut four hours long. When did you, uh, when did you first get pulled into it? When did you first know something was, was going to go on with uh, Zach's ultimate vision? 
Well, I think probably about the same time uh, everybody else, because I don't think Zach knew from the very beginning. You know, all of a sudden, uh, it was clear that the fans were making a, a demand for his cut. You know, and I, and I think a lot of it came just from the sort of immediate dismissal of the studio cut, as it were, of the Justice League uh, that Zach didn't get to finish. And I think, uh, you know, he it's sort of like what the, you know, what the government does with the banking system in a way, Adam, you know, where, where the bank gets into trouble, but the public bails them out in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, Zach did a lot of, uh, uh, you know, didn't do a whole lot of that movie that came out, but he got all of the criticism. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. It was like a magic trick, but the fans knew that what he would have put out was not uh, what was put out. And I think that he probably didn't know any earlier than I did that there was a clamor for this. Now, I was aware that there had been uh, people demanding the cut. I know uh, Ray Fisher and uh, 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 a lot of the guy, Jason Momoa even, I think said he saw it. The Zach, Kider, uh, Zach Snyder closer to what would have been the case, mm-hmm. footage that he shot. And I think ever since that was known, uh, you know, that, that there was a momentum that became an inevitability. And this is, but this is the first time at this level that I've ever seen uh, the fans demand, uh, you know, that a release of, of a vision really uh, was put out. You know, this isn't just a standalone Justice League movie. This is the third part of what I like to think of as a, as a trilogy, which started with Man of Steel. So to that extent, I was a part of it, you know, from, from very early on. Swan Wick, my character uh, that I played in Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel, was supposed to always be in the Justice League. But, you know, for whatever reasons, uh, it didn't work out and I, I wasn't in it. But then it became uh, Zach's vision. And I, and I think, uh, or he got, you know, the popular support to put that out there. And this is just one of those things where it worked out better than I would have thought. Um, and, um, I love that. I think it shows the power of the people. It's, in a, in a, you know, in a positive way, what, what happened with GameStop, I guess. <laughs> right. Right. Talk about, uh, so the Robin Hood of movies. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. You, you do bring up a good point with, uh, Man of Steel, obviously, and Batman versus Superman and, and Justice League's the, the spiritual, I mean, trilogy there. Um, you have that really good working relationship with Zach himself. So is that, I mean, did, is that something, did you, have you seen the theatrical release of justice league at all? I don't know what you care to watch or anything like that. So I'm not sure if you watch all the Marvel movies and all that stuff, or if you even watched it to prepare for the Snyder cut, but has that been in the rotation at all? Well, I'm, you know, I got uh, HBO Max. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to be watching, uh, you know, with the rest of the fans, I hope. But, you know, I, I was, um, I don't know if anybody's seen this version yet, except for, you know, the studio and the people who made it. Because, you know, I'm a fan. I want to I wanna have the same experience. Now, you know, if there were pre-COVID days, I'm sure we would have been invited to a special screening a couple of weeks before, a week before. But, uh Right now, I'm just looking forward to getting some popcorn and, and being the kid all over again. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it, and I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to sneak peek it. <laughs> right. No, totally understand. Totally understand. Right. Um, 
Martian Manhunter, man. Uh, I mean, it's something Zach Zach has certainly heavily promoted on on his social media. You know, obviously, we don't want to spoil the whole darn movie right here and and right now. But um, do you uh, you feel it gives your character justice? How how involved is is Martian Manhunter in in this final product? I don't. I uh, all I can say, Adam, is that. Uh, Full justice won't be done until there's the Martian Manhunter movie. <laughs> there we go. There we go. We'll a hashtag. Let's work. No, let's workshop a hashtag after this. Listen up, fans. <laughs> <laughs> right? You, they, they made the uh, Justice League happen. So, they made the uh, I'm just saying it. that uh, I, I don't know. If, if I'm in it at all, if I'm in it for 20 seconds, 10, I will be more than happy. Because uh, I, I didn't think I was going to be in it, and, uh, and I certainly didn't know I was going to be Martian Manhunter until huh. after Zach re- revealed it. But you know, he always likes to surprise me and, uh, and stuff like that. So I, I, I know that it's if uh, it was the happiest day, you know, that I never expected when I found out that this was going to happen. Hmm. So uh, you know, it, it, it was. It was great, and I'm looking forward to whatever it is. If it's a second, I'll be thrilled. Oh, absolutely. How's, how's a call like that going? Do you, do you see Zack Snyder pop up on your phone, and does he go, Harry, do you want to be a superhero? How's, how's that call go? Sometimes, you know, like I'll, I'll look down at the phone, it'll be Zack Snyder calling. And, uh, you know, I'm older than he is, but I'm a fan, you know, way before I met him. I was a fan of his work, and I and, – uh, and so that's really cool. And I always know it's going to be something very interesting. You know, here's a, what I tell him all the time. I hope he believes me, but uh, he's a really good director of actors, you know, in addition to having this great eye and, and the sort of vision of, uh, of that big world of his own worlds that he creates. Uh, I like his direction. You know, he's, he knows nuances and acting styles and all kinds of stuff. It, it's very interesting. Um, I have gained a respect for bulk voice acting. You know, I haven't done some voice work, uh, even for Zach with, you know, uh, Army of the Dead and so forth, but other things. The nuances that these actors are able to come up with. The people that, you know, are in the most cartoons that we grew up watching. These are people with a tremendous skill set that's different from the sort of acting that I usually get to do. So in any case, um, Zach is a really good actor. And I think that he, uh, actor, director, and I think that he had a, uh, uh, some sort of a way in to making his reality come to, to fruition by knowing how to talk to actors playing otherworldly beings, you know, in some sense, metaphysical, uh, people who were given a, a human form, uh, directing demigods effectively. Mm-hmm. And so I think that uh, in any case, you have to, the way that he can humanize that, which is generally speaking a little bit hyper real, I think uh, makes him really in a, in a class of, of his own. Absolutely. Absolutely. He has, he has shown us, you know, uh, concept art for John John's, uh, Martian Manhunter and all that yeah. stuff. Is that, um, something, you know, you only hear these stories, uh, on guardians of the galaxy, how Dave Batista has to sit in his chair for six hours. Is, is that something you also went through with practical effects or did you go the, the motion capture route for, for Mr. Manhunter? Uh, mocap, mocap, you know, I'm, I, uh, 
I don't know what I'm going to look like. <laughs> I don't know what the, what the real, what the body is going to look like and all that stuff. But I'm, I'm thrilled to see it because, right, yeah. So you haven't seen that. Probably, that guy's probably in good shape. For example. <laughs> right, right. They can do anything with that. <laughs> um, so, uh, I mean, had, did, did he go through and show you, you know, the concept art and the visual development and the, the suits and all that stuff to help you get into character a bit? Just a little. You know, I think that, um, honestly, I, I don't know if it's reverse engineering or what, but, you know, I had the mocap, uh, uh, you know, on myself. And, um you know, I did the, you know, the sort of the, the thing. Now, I, I don't know uh, what that's going to look like finally, but I wonder if to some extent it's reverse engineering. I mean, maybe they didn't know or maybe they wouldn't have done that part in some way finally, finally render it uh, without seeing the performance, which would be really interesting. I mean, you know, as a kind of acting exercise, sometimes you know that if you put on the Superman cape, uh, you're going to have to have certain characteristics um i did you know i think that this martian manhunter figure is being established for this world mm -hmm. and maybe they will base it on what the actor did so you know that that, that could be very interesting i wonder how they did for example um well i won't mention uh arrivals uh, world's name of a character but that's that we i wonder how they do that in a lot of the superhero movies do they have the actor's performance and then design around that or, you know, be inspired by that or the other way around because it works either way. That was our interview with Mr. Harry Lennox. Awesome. Who will be Martian Manhunter in Justice League, the Snyder Cut, when it hits HBO Max on March 18th. Thank you to Mr. Adam Barnhart for uh, going out and putting that together for us. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, he's got the awesomest voice. Oh, my gosh. So crazy good. <laughs> Moving on from DC, we are going to jump over to Star Wars really quick. Me and uh, Charlie have been kind of digging through this new High Republic initiative that Star Wars is going through. And uh, we gave you guys kind of a preview of it when the first wave came out. I think that was like our start of season three, actually. But uh, this week we had we have kind of what is the beginning of like phase 1.5. Uh, the release of a new book called Star Wars, The High Republic, Into the Dark, which Charlie and I both got to read. And uh, I think we both agree. This is like the point where this franchise actually gets really fun and kind of exciting. Uh, this book is by Claudia Gray. It's a YA novel. And it's basically about three kind of oddball Jedi or four, uh, three oddball Jedi characters, mainly, who are taking a voyage out to the Outer Rim and the new Jedi base there. And when this whole disaster happens, that's the centerpiece of this whole kind of first phase of this storyline, they get thrown off to this remote uh, abandoned uh, kind of star base where they discover all these connections to the dark side and this, all this other crazy stuff going on. And Into the Dark was really good, actually. I really, I really thought it was some of the best Star Wars stuff I've read or just experienced recently. Mostly because it's the first time they kind of have this cast of characters that are, are a lot more fun than some of the characters we meet initially in this line. We get our first kind of Jedi that's a way seeker, which is this kind of early version of what Ahsoka Tano you, you could see becoming. Uh, we got another guy who's like very just mystical and studious in this kind of Padawan character. And um, I thought the book was fun, like I said, in the kind of dark side threat it, it introduces in these new villains, the, the Drenger, I guess their name is pronounced as, was 
kind of interesting and cool. And yeah, I'm actually kind of digging the High Republic. Charlie, what'd you think? Yeah, um, I think yeah, the biggest key that you said that I took into this is this was the really fun entry. I loved Light of the Jedi, which was the initial like kickoff novel from Charles Soule. I, I really, really dug that book. But it really acts as a as like an intro to this whole initiative. You know, by the time it's over, there's a lot of things set up and there was conflict through it, but it really just takes you through this whole disaster and and how it ends up after that in the opening of Starlight Beacon, which is the outpost to kind of stretch the Republic into the Outer Rim. Most of those territories are not part of the Republic at that time. And it really shows you the power of the Jedi at that time, how organized they were, how many of them there were, and how how really pure to an extent a lot of the, the Jedi actions were. You know, what we've seen of the Jedi in, you know, from the prequels on, there was an establishment in the prequels, but they they really worked for the government and they couldn't sense when the government was, was doing something that they that was wrong. You know, they were really clouded by the dark side. They, they weren't this all powerful organization. Like we see them in the high Republic. Um, but into the dark takes what we've learned and then adds this really fun spin on it. And part of that is, is being a YA novel. Like, you know, the hunger games are a really fun read. Harry Potter's a really fun read. You know, it, it allows those characters to have more fun at times. Um, but it does introduce that light and dark, issue that was kind of absent in light of the Jedi. It really it deals with the dark side. Like the Drangor are really, that's a really interesting place to take, you know, the, these villains. They said the whole idea behind these villains came from the question of what scares a Jedi. And they really explore that here. And on top of having some interesting Jedi, you know, the way seekers are really cool. They have some awesome pilot characters in this too. Yeah. They get, some you know, there, there's a trio of yeah. smuggler characters that, you know, I know you mentioned to me or put it in a story or at some point that it's kind of this era as Han and Chewie in uh, Leox, Jassy, and Geode. Um, and Leox is very much like a Matthew McConaughey in space character. Yeah. Um, and I think Claudia said like that was her main influence for this character was was Matthew McConaughey. And uh, like he wears like V-neck shirts and a bunch of like beads around his neck. Yeah. And he has a really like, he al- you can almost hear a draw when you read him. Yeah, and then Geode is like a, is like a rock, but he's alive the and greatest, he doesn't really talk. Great, it's awesome. Worst character I have experienced in a long time is Geode, who, like you said, is a rock. It's a living rock character who people can't tell if he's alive because he's so still and like doesn't move or ever say anything. But it's like always where you need him to be, and is on top of like everything. But he, and he's always in a different place. Like, yeah. oh, and Geode was there, and then it was like. So he moves, but no one knows. Like they never address really how. Yeah. And like Leox and uh, and Affy, who work on the ship with him, are like they communicate with him. Like they know what he's talking about or thinking or whatever all the time. They know what's happening with Geo. Like a chewy thing, yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's so amazing. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Great. And those characters are so great. Leox, uh, Alfie, and uh, and uh, Geo. Geo, like, yeah. Like their little ship, the vessel, which is called the vessel, which is another great like little running joke. So. But it, it really dives into the smugglers of it too. Like there are huts and there are crime yeah. syndicates, and um, and, and they get into that a little bit more too in the uh, in the second issue of the High Republic. Yeah, which comic. is where we're going to go next. Great yeah. segue, Charlie. You're a pro at this. So bringing you guys back in, Matt and Janelle. Uh, a lot of what Into the Dark touches on wasn't touched on in like the first wave of comics. But now this second issue of High Republic is more of a tie-in to that book, I would say. The first issue was very much a, an epilogue to Light of the Jedi. But this new Marvel comic that came out today, High Republic issue two, is very much kind of setting up what I feel is a lot more of the tie-ins to Into the Dark. So what did you guys think? 
since you kind of experiencing this a lot through just the comics and, and whatnot. Janelle? I thought it was it was nice. I liked the story a lot. I liked the Jedi. I mean, we're talking about I, I, we read the intro, right? The first one, mm-hmm. yeah. which was great because it set us up. I knew what was happening very clearly. You know, she's now a Jedi, and um, I loved the twins. I thought they were really charming little characters. Yeah, they were great. Yeah, I liked. Those I guys. loved them, and then. Um, I definitely want to know what the deep-rooted issue is with her master, um, because I actually really like him as a character. I'm like really, I, first of all, his artwork is so crazy because when he's angry or like upset, he's terrifying. <laughs> like with his teeth, like he's like really scary um, and intense. But uh, I definitely want to know what's happening with him. Um, I know he's struggling with some of his past trauma, um, losing they, his arm. And yeah, and this is a oh, thing by the way, about- spoilers. Ah! Sorry. Yeah, this is the thing. If you read this, this whole franchise, it's a lot more rewarding. Um, he had a traumatic yeah. event in the first book, yeah. Light of the Jedi. Uh, one of his best friends, who's actually the master of two of the characters in the book we're talking about now, he uh, got killed in battle and he got his arm severed. And his arm is going to grow back eventually because he's a reptilian species, but it really kind of messed up. Yeah, he's, he's, he's yeah. being messed with more about the death of Jorah than losing his arm. Right. He really feels responsible for his, like a very close friend's death at the hands of the Nihil. And um, that really carries into, and that's why the first issue, I, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear you say that it felt like an intro because when yeah. I read it, having read the books, it almost felt like I, I was concerned that they weren't giving enough information for new people. It was like, yeah. I really enjoyed it, but I'm like, I feel like they're not doing enough to set it up, you know, on its own without having read the book. So I'm really glad to hear yeah, like, it, people who haven't read the book it, are still enjoying like the first that. one on its own. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, you do have a little bit of questioning, but by the second one, you're familiar with the characters and you are learning enough to definitely pick up on it. What do you think, Matt? I, I agree. I actually think it works. I'm actually glad they kept some of the other stuff out because mm-hmm. one of the strengths of this book is that you don't need a ton of star Wars knowledge or continuity coming in i mean it's, it very much sets a sets the table on its own and, and it's one of the aside from dr afra it's actually become one of my favorite star wars comics uh that's out there and, and afra is kind of the same way it's like afra kind of sits on the edge yeah. of lore and all the stuff like it comes in and it, and it has a part of course jedi is a big part of this world like you hear all the all the the terms but it's not such a weight to be like, well, I don't understand that. Well, you have to go back here. Like it, it doesn't feel that it's very fresh. It feels unburdened. And I like the characters. They're, they're yeah. fun. They're, well, they're, and that's, that's what I like so much about the second issue is that in the first one, I was like, this is going to rely so heavily on the book stuff. And the second issue, they really broke off on their own. Yeah. They, you know, the introduction of, of uh, Tarek and Sarah, uh, the, the twins, twin, yeah. but they're, but they're also the one them. being, mm-hmm. um, they because they're not in any of the other stuff, and this really like gives them a voice, and you know lets Avar be really separate from what she did in in the book. And I I really agree with what you're saying that when they get into the second issue, like I really appreciated how much it diverted and became its own entity. Yeah, you know, and and the story they've set up is is really really interesting. Yeah, and Keeve, I believe I'm saying that right. Keeve, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. is is awesome. I I dig mm-hmm. her. I I dig her fun like the sense of humor is great in here because like janelle said there there are moments of tension and it does a really good job of you know kind of making that aggressor like the tone changes in a in a page but then you're back 
to kind of the fun banter stuff. And, and they're doing a really good job with world building just in two issues. There's mm-hmm. a lot set up. Yeah. So, yeah, I dig it. And that's what I like is that Keeve and Skier are not big characters and other stuff. This is yeah. their oh, moment. They should you know? be. Well, that's, well, there's, no, there's different ones. Venue. Yeah, like right. So Avar, who you've only seen in glimpses in, uh, in the Higher Public comic, the, the, the blonde woman who, who looks like Doctor Who almost, um, she is like kind of in charge of, of the Starlight Beacon. Love that reference. She, well, I, I can only see her playing Avar Chris if this was a movie. Like, but she's the you know one of the main, if not the main character of Light of the Jedi. And but now in this comic and Into the Dark, she has hardly anything to do. But you know, Skier and it has nothing as like a chapter or two in the book. But now he's the main character, and they, they're doing a really good job in all these different things of giving every like main Jedi their own, you know. Like uh, Bell, yeah. Bell Zedifar is kind of a, a, a kind of a core character in the book, but in the future he's getting so much more to do, and he's someone that I, everyone should put on the radar. Bell Zedifar is a really, really interesting character that I think is going to have a huge future yeah, with Star Wars. A like, great job, yeah. They're really awesome. building with everything. So, all right, that's our endorsement to say you guys should be checking out the High Republic if you don't want to check out the big novel Into the Dark or the High Republic comic series is also a great place to jump on. And and there's also the High the High Republic just. If you're looking for something easier to read, it's a younger audience. But the High Republic Adventures or Star Wars Adventures: The High Republic, um, it's from Dark Horse, I believe. I could be totally wrong. I think, but I think it's Dark Horse, um, and it's it's for younger readers. And Yoda is a more important character in that book. Um, there's some new Jedi that are in there, like some young Padawans that aren't part of the other stuff. Uh, that book really surprised me. I actually really really enjoyed um, the first issue of that that also came out this week. Um, so like they're 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 really going you know all in on all the different age groups with this whole uh, High Republic initiative. It's awesome. All right. Thanks, Charlie. Now, going from the Star Wars comic to other comics, Matt, what did we get this week to read and uh, how are we feeling about it? All right. Awesome. Yeah. So let's, uh, I'm going to take this a little, a little quicker. Uh, but um, one, I just want to shout out real quick. Uh, Platinum Saki. Uh, the rumble was great. Doesn't want to want to shout out. I see you. I see you. <laughs> That's good. Um, but uh, yeah, so first we had a bunch of new future state stuff, and and actually a follow up to one of the I know the issues that we really liked. Uh, so we're gonna take these one by one. So the next Batman number three came out. We actually uh, I felt anyway that we got a, a little bit more of the complex relationship between the Fox family, how they're all kind of really sort of running up against each other and their and their motives and what their goals are and we saw lucius kind of factor into this um for me we still don't have the important thing of like why tim is doing this as batman like what that propelling thing and, and how he even came into it uh so we don't have that piece yet which i feel like is still missing because as a character he's kind of blank still but the other stuff around him uh is interesting and then the the biggest part of this issue was actually the outsiders which uh i thought that series that was part two of the story that ran in the first issue of the next batman and i've adored this and i feel like i got such excellence vibes from that final two pages of this story uh there's there's such a really awesome moment uh with duke and, and jefferson that's just like i'm so glad reading this i'm so glad that uh he's going to continue that outsider story uh, in the uh, upcoming uh, Batman series that's coming out, which I'm trying to figure out the name of Batman Urban Legends, uh, which is coming after Infinite Frontiers. Uh, what did you guys think of that issue? I, because one of you 
were reading the issue too, I actually read the Batman story, which I'm still low on the on the next Batman. I, yeah. I'm not enjoying it. I like Dark Detective a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm surprised. I love John Ridley, but this is just the concept just doesn't feel very inventive or, or interesting to me. Uh, but somebody, I actually opened the book thinking I was reading the next story, but somebody had skipped all the way to the Knights of Arkham story. Which I really got into. I yeah. actually really enjoyed that. I hated it in the first issue, but in this issue, I actually really enjoyed it. And so I read that, and I was like, "Man, that was great." And I was like, "Wait, wasn't there an outsider story?" And then, like, I had to go back through the book and find it. But um, yeah, no, I I want to see, I want to see the outsiders continue. So I'm glad that that is because that that is an interesting thing. And again, it makes these kind of second tier characters that we've seen and even have their own on screen appearances, like Katana, like uh, Black Lightning but it makes them more interesting together in, in a way I, I've rarely seen. So I'm kind of digging that and, and, and it's good to see that. And I hope they keep getting talent like Brandon Thomas to keep doing that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Janelle. Yeah. I, you know, we read quite a few this week and this wasn't my standout. I agree. I like dark detective a little bit better. It's not that it's bad in any way. It just wasn't a standout for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, yeah, it's it's good. It's pretty good. I guess because I don't have these deep connections to like Katana. Um, I, I just don't really have like any backstory on her to begin with. So I just don't I don't have a lot invested. But I think it's beautifully done. It looks gorgeous. And um, you know, I'm excited to see where it goes from here. It is one of those things where you can pick it up if you don't have this huge long backstory. Like you can get into it, mm-hmm. which is nice to know. Um, but yeah, Dark Detective is standing out for me for sure. Charlie, I mean, I, it, I don't want to repeat everything everyone else said, but I'm. Oh, okay, like, no, yeah, same. I mean, it's it's I'm indifferent really. Yeah. At, on, at the whole, I mean, honestly, the whole future state thing, I'm pretty indifferent overall. So get off of this show. Yes, <laughs> it's. I mean, I, I'm, it's not bad. There's some books that are pretty good. I just overall, well, we're going to move into sorry. one that was amazing for me. So Wonder Woman number two was uh, the second issue where we have uh, Yara's journey, and I know the first issue was a standout for. For most of us, I believe. Oh um, yeah, I thought I thought this issue again. Like th- this was I. And I'm actually happy because today the news broke uh, that she will be in her own ongoing series after Future State is done. Uh, Joelle Jones is back at the helm. I believe there will be a new artist, um, which is a shame, but you know because I love the art on this. Uh, but everything about this book, I just I just love, it. and I kind of love it for the same reasons of the Star Wars comic we were talking about. It's untethered to like a bunch of the stuff that kind of weighs Diana's stories and Wonder Woman down. There's so much history there and continuity that you have to kind of navigate. And here it's just kind of fresh. It's just like this really fun, interesting character with this just really charming personality, Jerry, all these things. But then you have weighty moments like this second half of this issue is very much like a personal story about her and someone she lost. So like there's, it's just such a wonderful combination for me so i'm excited yeah, i i was like i was really worried and i'm glad all this news is broken and they've kind of confirmed a lot of things because i was about to come on here and stump for the fact that like i want three wonder women like, <laughs> I want three. yeah like i i think out of anything future state has convinced me it's i want three wonder women and like doing different things like i like what this has done um i even like the immortal wonder woman diana story even though it's a little bit stranger but like, I need Nubia and I need Yara and I need them both active and I need yeah. to read more stories about both of them because they're both excellent Wonder Woman characters for different reasons, mm-hmm. like distinctly different reasons and on distinctly different missions and with a distinctly different feel to each book. 
And yeah, man, I, I need all three. I need like yeah. a Charlie's Angels of Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, it. Yeah, awesome. So I love this book. I loved all the Wonder Woman books, like all the one, both Wonder Woman books and all three stories. So uh, yeah, I'm digging it. Can we Did just talk about the art? Oh, uh, it's so breathtakingly beautiful. Um, he, this artist knows how to draw a woman. Let me just say, like <laughs> the eyes alone are just like twinkling. It's like anime. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Like I want these tattooed on my body. Um, I'm obsessed with her gear. Like her entire outfit is just stunning. I'm trying to talk about something other than what we've already covered, <laughs> yeah. but clearly this is a favorite. Like even in the chat, we have quite a few people like Bruce Wayne is in here saying I'm loving the Wonder Woman future state issues. Like it's just, it's an awesome read. You should definitely check it out, especially if you don't have context. If you are new to comic book reading, I totally understand. Me too. <laughs> And uh, this one pays off. It's really, really good. Beautifully done. Awesome storyline. Witty, quirky, fun, action-packed, mystical. It's, it's just got everything. It's really good. Agreed. We're going to skip Charlie because he didn't have anything. No, no, I, I think Wonder Woman's the good one. Well, I think I Wonder Woman's so the good bad. one. We're okay. like throwing him last. We need to let Charlie no, start. I mean, I, I'm pretty indifferent to the whole thing, but I think <laughs> okay. Wonder Woman is kind of the, the thing the that is holding Future State up from being kind of a disappointment for me. I got think it. Wonder Woman is the the shining like win of the whole the whole launch oh see oh look at that positive him being positive <laughs> uh, last but not least, i'm a positive person y'all just don't ever no, let no. me be we, we will let, let him talk about his favorite i'm so stuff. positive you idiots just never see it Thank exactly you. exactly you. that's that's what i'm saying exactly positive. uh so we're gonna move into uh king and black marauders number one uh i will i look no one does a tie-in issue like marauders uh it's just always just they're unquestionably them uh i had there's so many fun little moments between emma frost and magneto in this story and I, while it concludes on a natural kind of ending point i'm actually kind of hope that they push that a little bit further maybe explore what happens here uh in another story so i mean for me this was a win because so far a lot of the king of black tie-ins have actually been quite good and uh this was one of the better ones for me what do you guys think um i i actually think this this issue did in a weird way. I know it was about King and Black, but I think it did the best job of kind of illustrating how this new X-Men Dawn of X Krakoa reboot has really finally positioned mutants as their kind of, you know, House of X was about taking mutants out of this victim state where they're kind of running and dying and, and having them inherit their place as a superior kind of species and, and having that confidence and I think this issue did a really good job of showing what that looks like on a world stage because this disaster is happening all across the world. And Krakoa is kind of like, yeah, we're going to worry about Krakoa. And like, <laughs> no humans got a problem. Like, we're, we know how to deal with symbiotes. Like, we're going to be all right. And then kind of like the Marauders getting thrown into this humanitarian aid mission, which brings up a lot of questions about, you know, what is Krakoa and their relation to humans and this mm -hmm kind of uh, anti-human rhetoric that's beginning to spring up with like Five and Cortez and some of the other people really? and Emma Frost, um, but kind of illustrating how mutants, they really are the X-Men in their own little bubble of existence. Like they're not humans. They're not, they can go all over the universe. They're not limited to earth. Um, they are their own nation and own people. And, and this weirdly kind of frame that. And I also thought it was a really kind of, 
nice touch at the end. I actually got like a little emotional seeing oh, that, that Magneto end, one. Yeah, that egg scene about Magneto um, giving people human shelter on on like Island M, mm-hmm. something you would have never think you would see in your lifetime, and him being. And the reason is just profound, like that he knows people are always going to talk about, you know, all these stories about Krakoa and strength and mutants, but he also wants a story about how they were so merciful and generous. Sometimes. That's such a good line. Yeah, oh and God, it's just such a great ending. So I did not see that coming from Marauders. It was like a little hook. I was like, Marauders getting emotional. Like, yeah. You know, like, yeah so. Janelle, that's great. I'm going to let Charlie go because he, I, we always wrap it no, up and he doesn't get to say anything. Look at that face. Is- he's, yes. ready to, he's ready. For I'm anger. ready. I'm ready for some Charlie. Oh, great. Okay, go ahead, Charlie. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was really good. There it is. I See, it was that's really why stuff. we don't really? go to him. <laughs> no, I thought what? I thought it was really good. What are you talking about? That's all he had. No, it's not all I had. I was just trying to surprise you by making you think that I had something crazy to say, but like I agree. It's a, it's a very good comic. I've really enjoyed everything. I mean, I really like the King and Black stuff. I mean, Venom has been hit or miss on its run at times, but when it's gone for big things like King and Black, it really works. And so many tie-ins for so many things, King and Black or otherwise, struggle to maintain their own identity, you know? Like there was that when uh, it wasn't King and Black was the during um, Absolute Carnage yeah. or during um, what was the one they did before that that uh, the real big Marvel thing they did like a couple months ago Empire Empire yes the Empire tie-in like because I, I, I read the Fantastic Four book and they were like the Empire tie-in books that just made no sense to what was happening in the in the Fantastic Empire Four but they were yeah, they we were totally out of it and that happens a lot in when, when you come, when it's, when you talk about specific tie-ins you know. And what I really appreciated about Marauders is that it didn't lose anything about what Marauders is. It tied in completely to King and Black while 100% sticking to its identity. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself to me is a big feat that I don't see that often. Um, And for someone who hasn't been reading or isn't caught up with Marauders, I really appreciated this book. And now it's like I'm going to be going back and reading through Marauders because... They they I got they got me with King and Black and then now it's like okay yeah like this is actually this is really great stuff you know I I love Kitty's character in this like the the standing for everybody situation that you were talking about Kofi where you know Krakoa I, I don't think they're on a bad mission or anything but it's like she's the one that's like well but we have to save these people because like I'm that's what I've always been called to do and I have to do it I don't even though I have a mission from Krakoa to save these X Men. I have I have to go help these people. It's it's who I am, yeah. and all the other characters being like, yeah, that's who we are. We're gonna go, and I, I really loved how that was approached, and and I'm 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 really really pleased with with what happened there. In, Marauders, uh, in Marauders is the best post Dawn of X Reign of X series out there. I will say Hellions is close. We're, we're get Hellions is getting there to where it's right there with Marauders month in and month out. But Marauders is still like the best book they've put out. Janelle, what did you I say? totally agree. I agree with Charlie on the Marauders. Like obviously I don't have a background with them. And this made me want to uh like learn more about the characters and kind of what their journey has been up to this point. Because I am also with all of you on this, I'm loving King and Black. Like since the very first suggestion that you had me read, I am big fan. So um God, I hope I don't get in trouble. I would say that this, it wasn't like super exciting for me because I don't know the backgrounds of a lot of these characters. And I was kind of confused, like, wait, why are we on a boat when all this madness is ensuing? And how are they surviving these dragons? And it kind of got a little muddled and confusing for me. But 
now I just really feel like I need to get to know the characters because obviously they have powers that are, uh, you know, they're able to grapple with these symbiotes really well. And, um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited to see it. And I loved the moment of just like totally <laughs> throwing this awful crew of the ship in the oh middle God. of the desert with ice cubes. <laughs> that was so good. That's such a, Iceman doesn't get enough poning moments and that was such a great poning moment. For it me. was great. That was so probably my favorite moment. Um, and yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed most of our, our comics this week. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to dive into them a little bit more. I think the next Batman has been our universal disappointment, which is so crazy coming it's into so this. Weird. I did not yeah. think that that would be the case, but it yeah. has, so that's comics this week. Yep. All right. Don't cancel us. All right. That'll do it for this uh, episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank Mr. Harry Lennox again for stopping by and chatting with us about Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Be sure to check that out on uh, March 18th. I saw some comments in the comment section asking about Super Bowl commercials and trailers and what to look out for. Will we get something Marvel? You know, we hear things around here. I, I can't say that we will. I say that I hear things around here. We might, you might want to keep your eyes peeled on some of these Super Bowl trailers. You can bet your fanny will be back here next Wednesday to talk about <laughs> everything that dropped, everything that we saw, and when, all the information we've gotten since. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. You can find us every Wednesday live on Twitch and Facebook, or we put up episodes on the site, comicbook.com, every Wednesday as well. And you can listen on your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, or tell any of your smart home devices to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast and get it going. Thank you for listening in. Thank you for listening in again. Oh my god! And if you like the show, go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five star review. We'll send you a t shirt when we're back in the office. I want to thank everybody who came on today. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler. And you can find me at Charlie Ridgeland. There's a lot more for you to talk with that man, Charlie. Thank you for coming back on, Charlie. We'll see everybody again next week. This is Comic Book Nation signing off. Peace. Adieu. Bye, guys.